Section four of Confessions, volumes one and two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Confessions, volumes one and two, by Jean Jacques Rousseau. Anonymously translated. Section four. Near thirty years passed away from my leaving Bosset, without once recalling the place to my mind with any degree of satisfaction. But after having passed the prime of life, as I decline into old age, while more recent occurrences are wearing out apace, I feel these remembrances revive and imprint themselves on my heart with a force and charm that every day acquires fresh strength as if feeling life fleet from me i endeavoured to catch it again by its commencement the most trifling incidents of those happy days delight me for no other reason than being of those days I recall every circumstance of time, place, and persons. I see the maid or footman busy in the chamber, a swallow entering the window, a fly settling on my hand while repeating my lessons. I see the whole economy of the apartment, on the right hand Monsieur Lambercier's closet, with a print representing all the popes a barometer, a large almanac, the windows of the house, which stood in a hollow at the bottom of the garden, shaded by raspberry shrubs, whose shoots sometimes found entrance. I am sensible the reader has no occasion to know all this, but I feel a kind of necessity for relating it, why am I not permitted to recount all the little anecdotes of that thrice happy age, at the recollection of whose joys I ever tremble with delight? Five or six, particularly. Let us compromise the matter. I will give up five, but then I must have one, and only one provided I may draw it out to its utmost length, in order to prolong my satisfaction. If I only sought yours, I should choose that of Mademoiselle Lambercier's backside, which by an unlucky fall at the bottom of the meadow was exposed to the view of the King of Sardinia, who happened to be passing by but that of the walnut-tree on the terrace is more amusing to me, since here I was an actor, whereas in the above-mentioned scene I was only a spectator. And I must confess, I see nothing that should occasion risibility in an accident which, however laughable in itself, alarmed me for a person I loved as a mother or perhaps something more. Ye curious readers, whose expectations are already on the stretch for the noble history of the terrace, listen to the tragedy, 
and abstain from trembling if you can at the horrible catastrophe at the outside of the courtyard door on the left hand was a terrace here they often sat after dinner but it was subject to one inconvenience being too much exposed to the rays of the sun to obviate this defect Monsieur Lambercier had a walnut-tree set there, the planting of which was attended with great solemnity. The two borders were godfathers, and while the earth was replacing round the root, each held the tree with one hand, singing songs of triumph. In order to water it with more effect, they formed a kind of luçon reader's note hollow around its foot myself and cousin who were every day ardent spectators of this watering confirmed each other in the very natural idea that it was nobler to plant trees on the terrace than colours on a breach and this glory we were resolved to procure without dividing it with any one in pursuance of this resolution we cut a slip off a willow and planted it on the terrace at about eight or ten feet distance from the august walnut tree we did not forget to make a hollow round it but the difficulty was how to procure a supply of water which was brought from a considerable distance and we not permitted to fetch it but water was absolutely necessary for our willow, and we made use of every stratagem to obtain it. For a few days everything succeeded so well that it began to bud, and throw out small leaves, which we hourly measured, convinced, though now scarce a foot from the ground, it would soon afford us a refreshing shade this unfortunate willow by engrossing our whole time rendered us incapable of application to any other study and the cause of our inattention not being known we were kept closer than before the fatal moment approached when water must fail and we were already afflicted with the idea that our tree must perish with drought at length necessity the parent of industry suggested an invention by which we might save our tree from death and ourselves from despair it was to make a furrow underground which would privately conduct a part of the water from the walnut tree to our willow this undertaking was executed with ardour but did not immediately succeed our descent was not skilfully planned the water did not run the earth falling in and stopping up the furrow yet though all went contrary nothing discouraged us omnia vincit labor improbus we made the basin deeper to give the water a more sensible descent 
we cut the bottom of a box into narrow planks increased the channel from the walnut tree to our willow and laying a row flat at the bottom set two others inclining towards each other so as to form a triangular channel we formed a kind of grating with small sticks at the end next the walnut tree to prevent the earth and stones from stopping it up and having carefully covered our work with well-trodden earth in a transport of hope and fear attended the hour of watering after an interval which seemed an age of expectation this hour arrived monsieur lambercier as usual assisted at the operation we contrived to get between him and our tree towards which he fortunately turned his back they no sooner began to pour the first pail of water than we perceived it running to the willow this sight was too much for our prudence and we involuntarily expressed our transport by a shout of joy the sudden exclamation made m lambercier turn about though at that instant he was delighted to observe how greedily the earth which surrounded the root of his walnut-tree imbibed the water surprised at seeing two trenches partake of it he shouted in his turn examines perceives the roguery and sending instantly for a pickaxe at one fatal blow makes two or three of our planks fly crying out meantime with all his strength an aqueduct an aqueduct his strokes redoubled every one of which made an impression on our hearts in a moment the planks the channel the basin even our favourite willow all were ploughed up nor was one word pronounced during this terrible transaction except the above-mentioned exclamation an aqueduct repeated he while destroying all our hopes an aqueduct an aqueduct it may be supposed this adventure had a still more melancholy end for the young architects this however was not the case the affair ended here m lambercier never reproached us on this account nor was his countenance clouded with a frown we even heard him mention the circumstance to his sister with loud bursts of laughter the laugh of m lambercier might be heard to a considerable distance but what is still more surprising after the first transport of sorrow had subsided we did not find ourselves violently afflicted we planted a tree in another spot and frequently recollected the catastrophe of the former repeating with a significant emphasis an aqueduct 
an aqueduct till then at intervals i had fits of ambition and could fancy myself brutus or aristides but this was the first visible effect of my vanity to have constructed an aqueduct with our own hands to have set a slip of willow in competition with a flourishing tree appeared to me a supreme degree of glory i had a juster conception of it at ten than caesar entertained at thirty the idea of this walnut-tree with the little anecdotes it gave rise to have so well continued or returned to my memory that the design which conveyed the most pleasing sensations during my journey to geneva in the year seventeen hundred and fifty four was visiting bosset and reviewing the monuments of my infantine amusement above all the beloved walnut-tree whose age at that time must have been verging on a third of a century but i was so beset with company that i could not find a moment to accomplish my design there is little appearance now of the occasion being renewed but should i ever return to that charming spot and find my favourite walnut-tree still existing i am convinced i should water it with my tears on my return to geneva i passed two or three years at my uncle's expecting the determination of my friends respecting my future establishment his own son being devoted to genius was taught drawing and instructed by his father in the elements of euclid i partook of these instructions but was principally fond of drawing meantime they were irresolute whether to make me a watchmaker a lawyer or a minister i should have preferred being a minister as i thought it must be a charming thing to preach but the trifling income which had been my mother's and was to be divided between my brother and myself was too inconsiderable to defray the expense attending the prosecution of my studies as my age did not render the choice very pressing i remained with my uncle passing my time with very little improvement and paying pretty dear though not unreasonably for my board my uncle like my father was a man of pleasure but had not learned like him to abridge his amusements for the sake of instructing his family consequently our education was neglected my aunt was a devotee who loved singing psalms better than thinking of our improvement so that we were left entirely to ourselves which liberty we never abused ever inseparable we were all the world to each other 
and feeling no inclination to frequent the company of a number of disorderly lads of our own age, we learned none of those habits of libertinism to which our idle life exposed us. Perhaps I am wrong in charging myself and cousin with idleness at this time, for in our lives we were never less so, and what was extremely fortunate, so incessantly occupied with our amusements that we found no temptation to spend any part of our time in the streets. We made cages, pipes, kites, drums, houses, ships, and bows, spoiled the tools of my good old grandfather by endeavouring to make watches in imitation of him, but our favourite amusement was wasting paper in drawing, washing, colouring, etc. There came an Italian mountebank to Geneva, called Gamber Corta, who had an exhibition of puppets that he made play a kind of comedy. We went once to see them, but could not spare time to go again, being busily employed in making puppets of our own, and inventing comedies, which we immediately set about making them perform mimicking to the best of our abilities the uncouth voice of punch and to complete the business my good aunt and uncle bernard had the patience to see and listen to our imitations but my uncle having one day read an elaborate discourse to his family we instantly gave up our comedies and began composing sermons these details, I confess, are not very amusing, but they serve to demonstrate that the former part of our education was well directed, since being, at such an early age, the absolute masters of our time, we found no inclination to abuse it, and so little in want of other companions that we constantly neglected every occasion of seeking them. When taking our walks together we observed their diversions without feeling any inclination to partake of them. Friendship so entirely occupied our hearts that, pleased with each other's company, the simplest pastimes were sufficient to delight us. We were soon remarked for being thus inseparable, and what rendered us more conspicuous, my cousin was very tall, myself extremely short, so that we exhibited a very whimsical contrast. This meagre figure, small, sallow countenance, heavy air, and supine gait, excited the ridicule of the children, who in the gibberish of the country nicknamed him Barnabredanna, reader's note, ass in a bridle, and we no sooner got out of doors than our ears were assailed with a repetition of Barnabredanna. He bore this indignity with tolerable patience, 
but I was instantly for fighting. This was what the young rogues aimed at. I engaged accordingly, and was beat. My poor cousin did all in his power to assist me, but he was weak, and a single stroke brought him to the ground. I then became furious, and received several smart blows, some of which were aimed at Barnabredana. This quarrel so far increased the evil that, to avoid their insults, we could only show ourselves in the streets while they were employed at school. End of section 4 Recording by Martin Geeson in Hazelmere, Surrey